Welcome to A Tribe Called Methodist. Where we talk about personal holiness, social holiness, with a whole lot of irrelevance and irrelevance. And today it's the, the irrelevance piece that I want to talk about. Uh, I sat down yesterday with uh, Reverend Chris Riley and we, we got to talk a little bit about that. And uh, so I thought we'd kind of do that by um, talking about annual conference and kind of the maybe a post-mortem of annual conference and yeah so, I, the bloat is just starting to wear off yeah so the fog is starting to lift i guess all i went to you know i went to annual conference and all i got was five pounds of weight gain and, <laughs> and a whole lot of uh de, de, you know demoralizing feeling yeah so um the irrelevance piece is something that's been kicking around in my head um, and we've talked about it quite quite a bit. Yeah, in the sense as to where the local church is, let alone the the bigger, the bigger church. Yeah, um, I think there's a way of that that churches talk about irrelevance that's not maybe even really useful. Um, so that we we talk about um, the way I typically hear churches talk about irrelevance is. We don't do anything that is relevant to the people in our community's lives, so we've got to focus more on that. Um, and um, and so so that we can can be relevant in in, in people's lives and and have relevant conversations. But there's a sense where um, I, I'm not sure what that means. I mean, I know what you're saying, but yeah. I'm not sure how how you end up doing that in a way that is attractive to get people. Uh, and I hope I yeah. didn't cut you off. Of no, I, I, what I'm saying is typically, and this is why I think it's it's not a useful convert. It's, this is why churches are not really understanding the, the problem here. They're not really talking about irrelevance in a way that makes sense. Um, I think to the average person, you know, out there. Um, because I think I think there's a wider irrelevance problem. We we talked about how oh, this is really interesting. We've talked about we've created this kind of negative distortion field around the church for so long mm-hmm. that people have just tuned it out, mm-hmm. um, so that they don't even know what it means. Is is that an internal problem whereby we in the church have done that, and by virtue of our doing it, other people have said been become more and more dismissive to it. Yeah, I think so. So, like for instance, um, the issue of the moral majority, which has given great political clout to the conservative Christian Church mm-hmm. in a way that it never had before, but it's come at a cost of the, the its larger witness to the world in the sense that you know when I get a piece of mail from Franklin Graham. I immediately throw it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's n- there's nothing there for me because when I think of Franklin Graham, I think of a guy who backs without question an incredibly immoral person. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I um, see his stuff, I think I rip it up. That's it. It's gone. So how do you think that we went from uh, people like Reinhold Niebuhr? bending the ear of the president and politicians in the sense of a positive, progressive social platform, mm-hmm. you know, the betterment of all humanity, mm-hmm. 
uh, Martin Luther King Jr. doing that from the perspective of equality, mm-hmm. and then um, you know uh, the fight against poverty. Mm-hmm. How did we go from that as the the religious voice or a religious voice, but particularly one that was bending the ears mm-hmm. of, of of power at a different time to where we are now? Because it, that's a major shift from. I hate to put it in a way that might be polarizing, but from sort of a liberal agenda to a, a very conservative agenda. Mm-hmm. To me, it always looks like we've somehow um, re- retarded our progress mm-hmm. in really trying to institute the kingdom of God. So we went from people that were really advocating, these are the kind of things that need to happen for equality and 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 for righteousness to succeed, into, no, no, that's not the way, that's not how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in turn, we've created more um, fractioning of our society, um, more divisions. The walls have become higher and more extreme. And I, I, I've constantly struggled with how did we get from there to here? I think, I think part of it is if you look at the, the history of, so let's start with something really interesting. So Rachel Held Evans just passed away. Yeah. She was from a town where the Scopes Monkey Trial happened in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't think of it off the top, name of it off the top of my head. But Scopes Monkey Trial was was uh, basically this this trial that said um, uh, the, the, this town had prosecuted a teacher for teaching evolution. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the famous uh, uh, lawyer, um, uh, who was it? I'm, I've got, I'm going to get all the details of this wrong. But basically what happened was it was a cultural war. Right. You had this little mini cultural war in Tennessee, 1924, I believe it was. And um, was it Lawyer Clarence Darrow? Might have been Clarence Darrow. I'm going to check into that. Yeah, yeah, check my details. Anyway, the, the point is that... Um, you know, there was a question. People didn't like evolution because there was a basic question that threatened whether their beliefs were true. And so they defended with all their might the um, the issue of um, creation versus evolution because they were threatened by the idea that maybe the way they believed was... was um, not true, and I hear this all the time. Um, if well, if we if we believe this, or if I choose to give that up, then what's the point of this? Is this is the typical kind of slippery slope thinking mm-hmm. in the evangelical world? Like, well, if that's not true, then what's the whole point of of following it? If 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 I start to to poke holes in it, what's the point of following it? Well, I think we've gone into this in the sense of of, of two different perspectives on hermeneutics. And one side being wedded to um, the biblical narrative being fact, and the other side being wedded to an idea that the, the biblical narrative is filled with truth, but not fact. Right. And it seems like once you start eroding fact right. for some, yeah, that's the end of it all. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you know a lot of really conservative people end up as atheists because they immediately go from, well, it, this must be not true, so the whole thing must be not must not be true. Tossing it all aside. They just completely throw it all away. Um, and actually, 
end up becoming really some of the most strident atheists I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, Recovering addicts of a, of a different sort. Right. Um, where they can't even stand around to be around the other addicts anymore. And mm-hmm. um, I guess that's true of really anything. But um, So what are the relevant things or conversations we should be doing? It's a good question. I mean, this is but the I, nut I think every every church is trying to crack in some yeah. ways is is how to get people in, and right. and yet to call upon something that is happening for you right now, it does seem like one of the prominent realities of the church is that we may not any longer have the capacity to fill the church weekly, right? But there still is a great relevance right. for people in what I call hatch, match, and dispatch in the major moments of life. For whatever reason, leaders of the church or the church itself is sought out yeah. to help bring closure, understanding. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is that Chris had an even simpler idea. Okay. Um, Chris's idea was, "Hey, don't be an asshole." In the uh, in the sense that the, the the so if we've created this kind of this, this, this distortion field around the church of negativity. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best way to start like clearing that away. I, I've, I've found that people are inherently religious in some way mm-hmm. when um, you, in, in, you know, I used to value my, the idea that I was incognito as a pastor. Like I didn't really want people to know it. And then uh, it's gotten to the point lately though, that people have no idea what a pastor is or does. So if you tell them, they don't immediately like, stop swearing and hide their liquor because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that used to be the old reaction, right? Oh, I'm sorry, pastor, for using that language or, oh, we're drinking beer, pastor. I'm sorry. People don't even react that way anymore because they have no idea what my job is or what I believe or any of those things. They have mm-hmm. no preconceived notions. Um, so again, you've gone from this this kind of distortion field that, that pushes people away because they automatically think negative things. Franklin Graham, right? Um, uh, let's see who's so so pushing away in the sense of a a, a, a judgment as well as also uh, a sense that that intelligence or I, I hate to put it that way but yeah the certain amount of progress has to be laid aside if you take upon this this sense of understanding yeah if if you're going to be religious it, it's probably um, you're probably number one stupid but number two you're probably a hateful person so I'm not going to listen. Cause I don't, I don't want to hear, I don't need that message in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care whether it's true or not. If it's true, I, I don't want it to be. And so therefore you don't even get a fair hearing. So it's, a, it, it, it's almost a, uh, what it gives license to is, um, judgment. Exactly. Well, again, it's the whole like, Oh, pastor, uh, uh, I'm sorry I'm drinking beer in front of you. Yeah. I'm sorry for the You're language gonna be condemned. I'm using. Oh, by the way, um, did you know my grandfather was a Methodist minister years ago? Uh, you know, that's the kind of stories that I used to get typically. And now that now that 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 kind of people still have that negative feeling, yeah. but it's from a distance. Yeah. So, you know, Chris says, well, maybe the best way to be like relevant again is to not automatically start it's not automatically to be an asshole. I, I think in some ways I've, I've tried to 
to express this or espouse this, whether it's be in sermons or whatnot, um, and uh, having feedback in the moment of preaching of saying, you know, when most people, you say you go to church, they say, oh, the church, it's full of hypocrites. Right. Right. To which I generally have said, amen, you're right. Um, but it's that sense of, yeah, uh, tweaking the, the conversation to say, yeah, I go here cause this is, this is not my quote either, but it's a hospital for sinners, not a palace for saints. Mm-hmm. And I go here to be around other people that are just as messed up as I am. Mm-hmm. And that's not a judgment thing. It's more about the healing of the reconciliation piece, mm-hmm. the seeking out of wholeness. Um, does that appeal? Does that make it relevant? I'd like to think it does. Is it is it really making a difference? Again, it's not exactly opening the doors to thousands coming and hundreds being saved. Yeah. Um, so it, so part of the argument of parents, uh, when you ask them, well, what do you hope is accomplished in the education that a, that a church provides, which at one time what the church literally provided was basic education, reading, writing, and arithmetic, mm-hmm. and the Bible was used as the primary source for right. that. And we lost our way, and then now we have kind of corny programs where we color pictures of Jesus, and I'm not sure exactly what we're accomplishing, making biblically illiterate children and not helping them to understand the relevance of this at all. But when you ask parents, what do you hope they get out of this, they'll say, well, I hope, you know, they'll say something about morality usually. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we're doing well by parents in what they're hoping to achieve, but that may strike at what Chris is saying. Even parents are looking for the church to be a place to teach their kids how not to be assholes. Right, right. And and let's face it, one of the biggest cultural problems we face today is that people are just jerks. I mean, jerks and loving it. Like, let me let me embrace my, let me embrace my, my, well, we now have so many platforms to do it from. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be a jerk to you. I'm just, I'm just going to be a jerk, and I don't really care what the consequences are, and I don't think there are any anyway. And it, it just leads us this just gross thing that's 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 happening with with, um, you know, I'm going to step on you because I I feel joy from stepping on you mm-hmm. somehow. Um, so so that's a that's a big that's a big problem. So how do we how do we teach people or, or espouse that message to just not be a jerk that doesn't end up sounding judgmental to where people are, which might be being a jerk, right? Well, I think I think it's got to be, you know, in a, in a sense of 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 building community. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I, I think that we, I think, you know, maybe it starts with being a whole lot less. You know, we, we have this idea that, that discipleship means, um, we still have this idea that discipleship means evangelism. Maybe we need to, to just, you know, table the evangelism piece right now because so many of our folks are undiscipled. So we're just really making more of a mess than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might get back to, you know, our tagline where what is personal and social holiness? Social holiness isn't about going and doing evangelism as I think that word has become tainted. Right. It's about simply living in a way that reflects what you're praying for and kind of your, your, your journey of faith, right. knowing full well that you're not going to yeah. succeed at it all the time. Yeah. It's that um, piece that we pray in the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth right. as it is in heaven. 
um, right. and living into that hope that, 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 that is a possibility. Right. Right. And, and in, in Christ, we have been given that possibility. Should we aspire to it? Mm-hmm. I, I know that you have, um, encouraged as people have sought out participation and, and belonging in the church, you've emphasized the sense of family and the mm-hmm. church being family, uh, which I think is great because it's dysfunctional as a family, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's, a, it's a good illustration for people to understand the kind of commitment they're making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, has, it has some limits. Um, mm-hmm. One of the limits being is that if people don't really buy into it, then it's not really a family and doesn't feel like a family. So you need to have enough people that actually say, yeah, this is a family and we're going to, we're going to choose to make it function in that way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you know, I have, I have one church that really gets that and I have one church that doesn't get that at all. I, there was a third grade teacher, um, that once told a story about a project she did with her class and the project was, I don't remember if it was like draw your home or write about your home. And it was supposed to be a positive thing, but this was in a very economically depressed place. And one child had a total meltdown and said, I don't want to write about that. I don't want to do that. Um, And the teacher wasn't prepared in some ways for that kind of response. She adapted and said, well, why don't you write about what you would like your home to be like. And that's one of those things where I, I see family and go, hmm, I see how this could be really hard for some people to latch on to right. if they've had really negative experiences right. of home that's or right. family. Um, you know, we've had colleagues talk about the challenge of uh, of the the patriarchal or male language associated with God because sure. of the image of father being mm-hmm. such a negative one for them. Yeah. Um, but I understand what you're trying to get at as you're encouraging this sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want people to, to feel like they have, um, people who will be with them, you know, through the, so, you know, life is basically a, you know, everybody lives the same universal story. They're born and they die. And then there's all that stuff in between the dash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The dash is, you know, pain and suffering and also hope and joy and, um, pleasure and, you know, all those different things that we, that we associate and we kind of weave this into this rich tapestry and call it life. Um, but as a church, we, we get to do that together in a sense that we're not alone. And I'm, I've always, I've become increasingly concerned that people feel that they're doing this alone. All alone. And like, so we, we joke about ha ha, we're irrelevant, but part of that Relevance, I think for me, when I say the word irrelevant, is there's an inner pain that says, I am, I am sort of alone here. And I think that's the reason we chose, you know, I wanted to, was interested in doing this podcast because as I started to listen to podcasts like uh, The Liturgist, which is more serious, mm-hmm. um, and Good Christian Fun, which is a whole lot less serious, but very much people from my background who felt oh, alone. We'll put links to those in the, yeah. in the show notes. Um you know, they, they, um, they felt alone. And all of a sudden when they started podcasting, they realized that there was this community that felt just like them that was experiencing all the same things that they were experiencing. And I want that to be the church. And, and right now the relevance for me in the church is that I don't feel that way a lot of times when I'm in my own church mm-hmm. and there's a sense of like disappointment. So trying to create something 
it feels like a family. Um, but maybe, um, maybe I just, I can't get there, but I feel like I can. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to try all these different, different avenues to get there. I, I can hear in some ways in my own background, I have two older brothers and, um, it was kind of rough growing up. I mean, I, I love my brothers a lot. But you're much, you're qu- you're quite a bit younger than your brothers. I mean, not, um, not, not. I'm three years older than my middle brother, five, five younger than my oldest. You're, you're young enough that you were much smaller than them, but not so young that they ignored you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember numerous times hearing things like, you may not always like them, but they'll always be your family, or you may not love them, but they're always going to be your family. And and maybe there's some resonance with that in the local churches. You're not going to always like everybody that's there, but they're always going to be your family. Mm-hmm. And I think when the church is at its best, we see that experience play out as people go through the joys as well as the struggles of life, as we see people rally around one another that typically aren't chummy with one another mm-hmm. uh, in the normal day-to-day stuff. Um and it and it shows how we can rise above the isolation or the difference mm-hmm. into something better. I know when I did confirmation this year, the one thing I emphasized with with the young people who are filled with questions, I think about the irrelevance of the church and what this all means and amounts to, is I reinforced that they were making a commitment to the journey, mm-hmm. not a commitment to have it figured out. Right. And that and that I didn't have it figured out, but that what they were really saying yes to was to continue on the path. Right. And I think a lot of times, whether it be confirmation or at other moments, we've promoted it as uh, something that has a finality to it, a conclusion to it, right. rather than something that is the beginning or an ongoing reality right. in the process right. of, of growing. And I and I think um, one of the problems that I think, in Sunday, we talk about Sunday school, paint, you know, coloring pictures of Jesus and that kind of thing, but also teaching the Bible and, and the Christian life in such a way that it immediately falls apart in other con- in contexts other than the church. Yeah. Um, and uh, so people go, oh, that's not true, or I can't live that way. And, you know, we've taught them to have all the answers, and then they walk out and they have none of the answers, and they go, well, that was clearly just a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, where I like that... Uh, committing to the journey. We don't, we don't, we don't, we know some of the answers, you know, um, John, John says it in his gospel at one point. I didn't, I didn't tell you everything here. Yeah. I told you just enough so that you could, you could believe it. And believing it is not in the sense of, uh, um, knowing everything. It's enough to, to get you going. Well, and I forget if it's, and I, th- I think I may have said this in another one of our podcasts, but I forget if it's the end of Matthew's gospel or, or Luke's, I forget which one. Anyway, um, where it's, you know, Jesus has ascended and they go back into Jerusalem rejoicing, waiting for the Holy Spirit. But it says, but some doubted. You know, that that has given me a lot of inspiration that you, even the witnesses that were there still were rubbing their eyes trying to figure this, this crap out. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to have it all figured out. I haven't even been a witness. Right. But what they made a commitment to was the journey. They mm-hmm. didn't stop. They didn't go, I don't get it, so I'm out of here. They said, I don't get it, but I'm still gonna go back and I'm I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to live this. I'm gonna go to the upper room. I'm not gonna go back to Galilee and keep fishing. I'm gonna go to the upper room. Yep. And we'll wait. We'll see what happens. 
And hopefully, you know, I, I suppose this, there's so many different quotes that we could throw out here, you know, preach faith until you have faith and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But I think that there is an element of, you don't have to have it figured out to start, to, to start on the journey itself. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like, um, the irrelevance of the church in, in teaching in a college setting as I have college students. And I guess I, I was there too, as a college student are so dismissive of faith, having any role educationally for them. Mm-hmm. And part of what I try to breathe some vitality into is showing how the tenets of faith really can form and inform life itself mm-hmm. and are an avenue to get people to, to start listening. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least to start a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, with that in mind, uh, I want to um, segue to uh, my interview uh, with Chris. Yeah. And um, we tried to talk about humor, and we ended up being serious. And then <laughs> we ended up trying to be serious, and then... It got humorous. I'm, yeah, something like or that. Or weird. Yeah, or got weird, yeah. yeah. Like, we... we Maybe it was, the conversation was a, was a failure, but uh, we'll let that uh, let our our, our viewers uh, be the judge, or our listeners be be the judge of that. Check out his blog, Crip Pastor. Uh, and he's also on on uh, Twitter, Crip Pastor seven one six, and you can get uh, his thoughts as a um, as uh, a disabled person, a disabled pastor, abled. differently abled. Um, trying to help people understand what that's like and especially help us in the church understand uh, what that's like. So we hope you enjoy that interview. I'm here with the Reverend Chris Wiley, the August Reverend uh, Chris Wiley, and uh, we're kind of wrapping up our conversation about annual conference. And uh, we are, well, we've been discussing a lot of things and I thought, it would be fun to uh, just kind of get your thoughts and uh, see where the conversation goes uh, today. And uh, so let me give you, what's what's your kind of um, post-mortem on the annual conference this year? I think it's, well, I think it went well. Actually, I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to right now. I will, I'll get to that. Okay. But, yeah, I hope you do. But <laughs> But I think it went well. I mean... We got a bunch of resolutions through, which sort of surprised me, you know, going back and looking at the list, not as many got ruled out of order as I expected. And obviously we got most of the delegates except for a a couple later on. But I don't know if it's going to matter. I mean, that's what remains to be seen. Like once we get to the other side of the next general conference, is it just all going to get struck down anyway? So, and I think that's, that's the part. So did it go well? Yeah, it went went as well as I think we could have hoped for. Is it going to make a difference ultimately to where we end up? Uh, that I'm not sure. That's a good that's a good point. Um, here's where I took some encouragement. So I talked a lot about this already in the other two, three podcasts, but when we caucus, we we get results as progressives. And this can be in very progressive left wing to center left. Um, we seem to be able to get along and get things done, which is sort of a miracle when you think about the current state of affairs. But um, when I think about 
um, legislation, I think about I think about the fact that none of this really does matter in the face of the uh, general conference. But when I think about the um, fact that we're all held under the trust clause, and when the annual conference sues churches that try to leave for not leaving under the terms that are set, um, it ultimately goes to the annual conference, the property. So if the annual conference says, you know what, we're just going to vote not to sue anybody, I think what ends up happening is it, it provides us a way out. I think that's, that's the future. True. Yeah, that's true because I mean we're not going to have the same bishop forever for right. one thing. Yeah, and we don't know. Well, you never know who you're going to get. Right. But yeah, but you can. There's so many levels and there's so many checks and balances that for it to come back uh, to the annual conference might be different. Now it might not be, and again, you don't know. You don't know that, um, but it also could end up creating space for a more amicable split because the people on the other side, the exclusionists, they don't want, they don't want to have the same thing happen to them either. They don't want to be That's held right. hostage any more than we do. That's so right. they have the power now. That's right. But if there's a shift in the balance from where it is today, they might say, well, you know what? We all kind of want the same thing. Let's just all decide where we want to take our stuff and split however we split you think of any other end game kinds of things? No, not really. I mean, this might end up being a sort of boring podcast if we stay here, but not really. Not really. Not really. I mean, you know, I mean, I can't think of anything. I, I think that we're going to split. I don't see. And I don't see. I mean, yeah. that's what I said. Yeah. You know, even to some of the people kind of on the other side of the table that if we want the same thing, maybe we can be working together again once you reestablish that equity and to your point about what the annual conference could do and what we did at this annual conference toward the next general conference is we might have restored some of that equity yes yes i think so so all right so uh maybe that's where we'll leave annual conference for right now let's leave that there okay Wait for next year okay there's always next year. Yeah. So you want to hit on some other things? Why not? Yeah. So what are the things would you like to hit on today? Well, I don't know. I thought you would come prepared with a laundry list full of things. Well, we've we've already kind of sort of hit on some of those in, in our private conversation. Would you like to... Let's talk about humor. To revisit that. Let's talk about humor. Yeah, we got a bunch of gold that people aren't going to hear because... Yeah. But I, I, think, I think, you know, we were talking about... The, the problem of humor in today. It's such a serious kind of thing where um, we just we just have to, we're always at war, so we, we can't make anything, nothing is worth a laugh, or we can't make, you know, we can't make fun of ourselves. We can't be self-effacing. We can't look at ourselves as being in a ridiculous situation. Like, I just think, I just think, you know, this thing with, with the Methodist Church is just the most absurd kind of 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 uh of thing that's going on I, I, I there's a prophet who says you know it's as if we 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 um escaped the lion and ran into a bear 
And it was if we, you know, this kind of like ridiculous misfortune, like there's no place to turn. Just when we think something is going to help us, it ends up killing, hurting us worse. And so we just go here and there and it just gets worse and worse every time to the point where it just goes, this whole exercise is ridiculous. I'll give you an example. Sounds good. And this is probably something that's happened to you. I'm sitting there in a church meeting the other day. And we just got talking about the LGBTQ issues, about how we're going to act as a church. And this is very interesting. We passed a letter saying that we are going to, we, we're, we're sending a letter to the annual conference trustees saying that we are going to explore disaffiliation. doesn't mean we're going to do it. We're going to explore it. Sure, you're putting putting it in writing to say, hey, we're one of these voices so that, you know, if a bunch of people do that, then they have to they have to react. That's right. They have to take it seriously. They have to actually, like, press out a plan that says, okay, this is what it looks like. And, of course, we're not going to follow that anyway. We can't take it seriously. We were going to talk about jokes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to, to the joke, I think. I hope. Yeah. Um, but... The, the the ridiculous thing was, here here people were, were kind of bored with this conversation, and they finally said, well, we're not going to solve it tonight. So what do you think we went on to solve? Not the window that's been broken for six years. No. What else do you think we didn't go on to solve? I I can't wait to hear. How about, how about a the, the outrage of having a handwritten calendar in the newsletter? Or worse, the outrage of not having a coherent building use policy. Since you can't see me, I'm clutching my pearls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. It, it was like, oh, I'm sorry to bore you with crap that actually matters. Um, we should just go back to the same old, you know, bureaucracy. I don't know if that, I don't know if Well, those- that's happened to me, right? Like people want to, people want to feel like they're busy, you know? So as I've said a million times over and got run out of churches for saying it. We've substituted busyness for effectiveness. So we'll bog it down talking about all kinds of shit, you know, because then we feel like we're doing something. And and in one of my previous churches, uh, I won't say which one, but in one of my previous churches, some of the people would come to me and say, well, people don't know what's going on, which of course means they, they think they don't know what's going on or they want to make a big deal out of it. And I said, well, first of all, what people, and secondly, what don't quote unquote people know, and they couldn't really answer that because we spend so much time or we, we waste so much time that I don't even know what to say. Like that's church, right? Uh, Yeah. And I think the next time somebody actually says, well, people don't know what's going on and, or we're not effect, we're not communicating effectively enough. I think I'm just going to say, that's because I'm trying to get over on you. Did I get over on you? Oh, I hope I did. Are you offended? Oh, I hope you are. And, you know. Thanks, I'll be here all week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Try the veal. Yeah, it's delicious. Uh, but, you know, it's, I guess that's the joke, right? So, you know, these things that, that are supposed to really matter to the church, just, you know, well, we've lost sight of lost. what matters. Yeah. That's exactly it. I'm sorry to jump on you there. No, go ahead. But, you know, we've lost sight of what matters because 
people just don't care. I mean, I I tweeted that because, hey, I'm on Twitter now. Is that the proper term? I tweeted it? Yeah. Is that the way you say yeah, that? Yeah, I tweeted it out. I'm old, so I'm not really well versed in these things. It doesn't matter. You can use any <laughs> any kind of nomenclature you'd like. It doesn't matter. No. None really, of this really matters. None of this. You're on the most irrelevant podcast in the world. You're 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 broadcasting with an irrelevant local pastor in an irrelevant period of time in an irrelevant denomination. I think this is my point. Yeah. Is that people outside the church like we talk about who do we want to keep out and what can we do and you know we want to fuck with each other but People outside the church, like we're talking to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody, and not only do they not care, they don't even know. Right. Like I've talked to people, and I thought, sure. I thought, hey, so this is going on in church, and they're like, what's going on in your church? They have like no idea. Just because right. we see the occasional article, and then you know your your four hundred closest friends on social media posted also, so we think, hey. There's really a buzz here, but really people just don't give it. Again, not only do they not give a shit, actually, they just don't even know. They, we're they don't. irrelevant. They, well, and we're siloed in a way that we've never been siloed. Yeah, absolutely. Before. I don't know if never, but certainly in a long time we're siloed. Yeah. I would say, I want to say that never. I'm always surprised at the amount of... Um, I I have always, for a long time as a pastor, I have um, enjoyed this idea of being incognito. Like if I'm out someplace, don't ever tell anybody you're a pastor. But because you used to get the same old story with, oh, hey, my great-grandfather was a Methodist pastor. Or, you know, and you're like, that's nice, but I don't care. You know, or that doesn't make any difference to me. It's kind of like getting religious gifts for Christmas. Did you ever get that? Yes. I I love every single one. I am, I cherish them. I bet you do not. Well, cherish might be a yeah, strong word. Cherish. They're probably they're probably in a box somewhere though. You know, you probably couldn't have the heart to actually throw them away. I don't know. We've moved a few times, so I'm not saying that they're in a landfill somewhere, but we are in <laughs> Niagara Falls. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's kind of like that, and but now more and more people don't have any kind of frame of reference so like a, being a pastor i'm almost i'm almost a, i'm almost not afraid to say it anymore because it's such an odd thing yeah for a while it was like well am i going to say and are people going to think that i'm one of the assholes right right like that was a thing for a while yeah and now it's like yeah i'm a pastor and they're like all right so well, how does this matter i kind of wonder if we got to the point where the public sphere of Christianity was such, was so horrible that people just said, I have to ignore that. We jumped the shark. Yeah. Like, oh, you can't, the, mor- the moral majority can't be more horrible. So we're just, it goes on ignore. From now on, every piece of email that I get will immediately go into the wastebasket. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, that's like when I get like. Along with my Christmas gifts. Exactly. <laughs> When I go to, when I get like a correspondence from uh, Franklin Graham, you know, I just know that I, I'm going to immediately tear it up and throw it in the trash. Like, See, I disagree. Those I cherish. 
Do you? They're so personal, and I know that he's speaking directly to me. Yeah. To my heart. Yeah, to your heart. Yeah. Because yeah. he's a guy who knows Jesus. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, but, you know, now there's a sense where, you know, nobody has that frame of reference. It's been it's been ignored. It's 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 um that it's kind of interesting again, especially for people that don't have any sort of frame of reference or anything. They almost like it could be a positive again. Well, I'm not sure that we're going to do this, but hopefully if the entire thing like falls to the ground, then we can actually get back to doing stuff that matters. Like if, if the buildings become so unsustainable and if like we just keep being siloed that we become even more irrelevant, which seems impossible. And yet like we're still waiting for the die off of, of all the people. I mean, you know, look how much white hair there is. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with white haired people, but you know, but like when that's all that you have, where, where do you go from here? But when you get to the point where you can't keep going the way that you are, then you can get back to doing what matters. And maybe you leave the buildings behind. Maybe I don't, I don't even know. And as a pastor, this gets tricky, but like, maybe you can't afford, maybe there's no way to do this like professionally and right. make a living at it. Maybe you have to go do something else, be bivocational. Yeah. But, I definitely, I definitely think that that is, that is within my lifetime. But it also gives you freedom just to go out and like actually make connections that matter to people. Well, when you don't have a building, when you don't have to worry about paying a bill with your, um, your, job or your ministry what you feel like it's weird right like oh god called me to do this but i'm also going to use it to pay my bills it sucks the life right out of it doesn't it absolutely uh and i know that there was an earlier time when a lot of like i'm sure that my dad's generation and older would say oh no there's nothing there's nothing um there's nothing going on with it i mean there's nothing there's nothing harmful about that model. And I, and that's true, except when the model is failing and then you feel this added pressure because now your livelihood really depends on your success. No. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with it. I mean, we're working, right? right. Like we're yeah. working even maybe, I don't want to say more than most, but certainly a, as much, you know, in the, in our, uh, in our gig culture, which you and I have talked a little bit about, before like yes you just have to keep working it doesn't really stop right so getting paid for that is not a bad thing like you have to eat you have kids you know i have a daughter and and house and and stuff and i mean you have bills there's nothing wrong with with getting paid i mean exploiting that is a is a different matter we're not talking about that that's right like yeah. that's the way it gets interpreted sometimes sure but at the same time especially when your people resources are so few when there's so so few people coming to church and so few even more like people giving money that pay pays your paycheck right like then you kind of you can't be prophetic as Davin said the other day like then 
or you can, but you do it at your own peril. Right. Because you only need to lose one or two people and then, oh, guess what? There's no check coming this week. That's right. Yeah, we can't, we literally cannot make our payroll. We can't pay our bills. The, you know, the lights are going off in a couple of months. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's wild. And I don't think that earlier generations faced that like, like we're facing it right now. No, because people, there was the assumption that you go to church and there's not that assumption anymore. Right. So even if, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you look at the timeline, there was everybody goes to church, then, okay, we still have enough people to where we don't notice that less people are coming to church to, okay, there's this backlash against the church to, oh, now we're irrelevant and we're just barely holding on. That's where we are now. Right. At least in main mainline church. And I thought, you know, after that conversation that I had, that frustrating conversation, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to gather up some people that that want to hang out and we'll have like, we'll just get together at my house and we'll call that church. I think that's what it is. And that's what I've seen in ministry is like the the stuff that I can really call ministry is the stuff that I'm not doing in the church most often. It's... You know, when I'm at when I'm at the bar, you know, and and sitting with somebody and having a beer, it's when, you know, uh, one of the things that I did in one of my previous appointments was I was asked to be part of a monthly poker game. And I think I was asked because they didn't think I would do it. And so they thought it would be kind of a joke. And I went and did it. And uh, I built those friendships, but I built him sitting around a table, you know, playing nickel-dime poker, which Mm -hmm. I hope I don't get brought up on charges now. But, you know, but doing Um, that. Were you also conducting a same-sex wedding while you were nickeling and diming? Not that I know of, but I was drinking, so I I can't say for certain. I'm I'm telling you, I I think you're safe. I just broke the cardinal rule, though, about admitting to also drink. I've I've been drinking, I've I've been gambling, I think, you know, the same-sex marriage thing is the only, right? Like, that's the next logical step. I knew it was all going to lead to it's this. It's going to lead, yeah, yeah. It's, that's where it's, you, it's a slippery slope. Right. It's a slippery slope to same-sex marriage. Chris. That's ludicrous. Can we talk about that for a second? Like, that's, that's the fear is, like, what is this going to lead to? Like, if we let these people in... What are they gonna? What are they gonna do? Oh, uh, I if I could pull up a letter that I got from a, from a parishioner who was very concerned about, um, you know the, the the you know what did he call it? I don't even remember what it was. It was it was some it was ridiculous though. It was like, well, you know, we can't have we can't let those people into the church because they'll they'll turn our kids gay. And first of all, it was kind of like, well, what kids are we talking about here? Because we hardly have any. And then also, that's, you don't understand. Like, you, there, there's, there's the total, you just don't get it. And uh, you won't get it until somebody in your family comes out, and then you'll get it. And then you'll, then it'll, it'll be a, a lot, a big, a different, much different story. Thanks for the hand. I get I get that too, though. I mean, I've had people say, like, still say, like, come to me and ask where they've had, you know, uh, somebody who's LGBTQ 
I plus in, in their family and still say, well, I don't know. We still don't believe it. I'm like, just, just love them, you know? And, and the fact that we could still be even having that conversation is ridiculous. I wanted to point something out. I went to Facebook while you were talking because I saw this earlier today because we talked about, we were talking about comedy and to your point about what, like, or my point or our point about what does this lead to? Somebody had a post that from the onion that says, uh, Mike Pence visits conversion therapist for routine gay prevention checkup. Exactly. Exactly. You know, this is, this is, yeah, that's the kind of, you know, when you don't know, you don't know. And then you, you, you end up, you end up creating this really horrible, just minefield of misinformation. Right. Well, you know, I mean, first, first, you know, you catch the cripple. (laughs) <laughs> then, then yeah. you know, then you know, yeah. you, then you catch the gay. I, you know, that's yeah, how it works. Cause that's true. We can't all be as robust as you. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Can I just tell you that that um, you know, after after a weekend of of holy conferencing and and sitting around and just eating and sitting and eating and sitting, um, and then um, also having an occasional wink, wink, uh beverage in there as well what yes can you believe that well since we were actually drinking on the last podcast i guess that's true that's true um i was for i was forced to do it because this is what it leads to people don't you understand won't somebody please think of the children (laughs) (laughs) but i you know i i joined a gym i had to join a gym because i I was feeling less robust can i say this like this is this is the truth like I was afraid because we live in this, in this time where you can't be funny. You can't say anything funny. Yeah. But I'm fat. Right. So I get to say it. Yeah. I, I did think that I thought I almost texted you because I was going to say like, nothing makes me want to lose weight more than being at a church conference. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, you know, we better not catch the gay, but you know, but gluttony. Yeah. You know, let's, uh, yeah, let's eat ourselves to death. You Why know, not? Yeah. We need to hasten this whole heaven thing. Um yeah, I mean it's it's like the um it's like the leaving Las Vegas of eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a, I have a more serious question though. Okay. When we go to heaven cuz you're a pastor, you know these things. Oh, good. Yeah, please. Do we have to bring our roll of quarters for the bus? Oh, that's a good question. Roll of quarters. That's a that's a like an that's an old school thing. You got to bring your bring your bring your cell phone so you can tap on the the t- you know the the, the screen. And is it true that in heaven there is no beer? I'm I'm not sure. Right, that's the song. That's why we drink it here. Oh, the I old, see, I'm the not, old poker. You don't, I know, don't know that, that song? No. Come on. See, I'm I I just I'm sorry. I don't know the song. I'm gonna have to come go on. Listen. Somebody's got like. Out there in pod, in pod world, oh, I'm sure somebody of, knows it. One of you pod people must pod, pod people. people must know. Careful in in heaven, there is no beer. Do- That's why we drink it here. Come on, I don't know that. You don't song. know that one. No, look it up. That's the song for the day. Okay, all right. So. um yeah, it's a, it's a, well, it's like that old that's a, it's like that sign that was up. Um, Lust destroys 
um, Jesus saves. And I was like, well, Jesus looks super boring and Lust looks pretty awesome. Right. Lust has got flames on it. But you know, <laughs> but you dressed know. in black. <laughs> I'm not going to get this out to you. This is the problem why I would have trouble being a comic. Because I laugh, you laugh at, at yourself. Like, I th- yeah, I, I think I'm hilarious. I, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think there's anything wrong with that. Jesus saves, and so does so does this delicious cookie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Jesus saves. You know, I love Jesus and potato chips. <laughs> you know, it's just these these catchphrases lose their meaning after a while, and especially especially now. I mean, if if I think that that lust looks cooler than Jesus then what is the average person who has no form of like, like um, no frame of reference for Jesus or like even lust? Like, you know, they look at that billboard. What are they going to think? Like, are they going to feel bad? Are they going to feel guilty? Are they going to, are they going to feel nothing? Or is this, Oh, that's annoying or unnecessary. I, they probably in keeping with what, did we talk about that on the podcast or before? I don't remember, like about how we're irrelevant. We talked about that on, right? Earlier? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay, so they don't even look at the billboard. They're like, I, I don't even know what they're talking about. It doesn't right. matter. Yeah, yeah. That actually happened. I was in an interfaith gathering, and it was it was in all of all places, it was down in Olean, New York, which you wouldn't think of as a hotbed of interfaith activity. But because it's in the middle of nowhere, you know, sorry, Southern Tier folks, but it's you're you're far from from life as we know it. So you make life as you know it down there. And uh, there's a there's a synagogue. I don't know if it's still open, but it was at the time. And um, and so so it was like uh, like local Muslim local Muslim community, the what was left of the local Jewish community. Um, several Christian denominations all came together for this. This because this was right after September 11th. So interfaith dialogue, you know, it's it's sort of big now, but it was really big right sure. after September 11th because everybody was like, let's please dial this down a little bit. Um, but you know what happened was, um, this guy stood up and introduced himself as an evangelist. And he said something like, if you were going, if you were to die tonight, where would you end up? And I think it was like a, like a Buddhist or a Hindu. Okay. Was like, I don't even know what you mean. In the ground. Yeah. At the funeral parlor. Yeah. I I don't even know what, what you mean. I have no idea what that means. And so... It was really an interesting moment because not, not only was it a, a stupid thing to do, you know, at an interfaith gathering. Let's let's go evangelizing in an interfaith gathering. Eh. Um, but talk about having absolutely no frame of reference. Like th- those folks just didn't really understand what he was getting at. Um, so I thought that was just a really interesting so a moment, you know, just total total irrele- irrelevance. Yeah, and we're really good at being the reason why people don't don't have faith. Don't come. I think people have faith. Actually, let me backpedal because I think most people 
who I know, and maybe I'm insulated. I don't know, but but most people I know believe in something more than what we see, and I I don't want to quantify that as Jesus, not Jesus, whatever, but something beyond what we see in our world. But when they think of church, and I'm kind of going to contradict, holy shit, is it raining out? Like, you can't see this in for those you that, pod people? For those that you, of you who are, are just listening in and not uh, on our, uh, uh, well, we don't even have a Facebook broadcast. No. Good, good thing. But <laughs> it's a good thing. I'm not dressed for it. But um, if, if you, you know, we're, we're sitting in a, in a garage with the garage door open, looking out at the beautiful western New York summertime weather, and it's intermittently um, gray or downpour. And uh, so if you hear possibly what sounds like rain, that it is rain. It's a, it's a very hard rain. And if it ends up putting you to sleep, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I know I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of this conversation. You are tired of No, No, but what I was going to say, and actually I, I thought about it, I don't think it does contradict what we're saying about irrelevance because the reason we're irrelevant is not people outside the church. The reason we're irrelevant is us. We're ass- like, y- you want to start talking to people about something more than what we see about Jesus or, or whatever, whatever you think you need to talk about, about faith. Don't be an asshole. Like, don't say, hey, you you know, I, I don't think that, hey, you better do this because if you die, you're going to go to some fiery place it is a good way of convincing people that they should jump on board. No? I'm shocked. Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, it. it I guess it does work for some, like... You know, but I mean, think about the funeral altar calls like, hey, sorry, Joe, <laughs> sorry, Joe's dead. But, you know, we and, and sometimes even then, like now in today's world, I've, I've heard it where they're like, when we don't really know where they are. But if they are someplace good and you want to see them again, you better get on board the Jesus train. It is it is really. I do a lot of funerals, I do, and I've been doing a lot of funerals over the last few months mostly because people are very old in this area or people are addicted to drugs and you know been a lot of that too much of that in in this end of Niagara County um but yeah that's that's like pretty typical it's like the most funerals are like the most dishonest one of the most dishonest places. I've, I've, there's this weird dishonest atmosphere. We can't actually say what happened, and we can't, in, we can't invite people to. I mean, I try to invite people to experience like the mystery. I think, I think death calls us. It's, you know, it's about mourning and and. That kind of thing, but it also calls us to uh, mystery and wonder, and it's that it's that 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 contact with the divine, and and so I I I hate the dishonest funerals. But I don't know 
if that's like where you should start. I mean, it is when you're doing, when you're presiding, right? But even before you get to the funeral, like we have to be going out and meeting people, like people different from us, people not in the church. Like the most deer in the headlight thing I ever got in a church meeting was suggesting to some of the leadership that we should allow some people in the community who weren't actively coming to church already have some say in, in like the direction of, of thing, uh, of things that we do of, of, of like, if we want to build with the community, we have to build with the community. So, so like to the funeral point and to a lot of what we're talking about, like the part that really, that really matters, I think to a lot of people is not the part that you're doing, Matt, or I'm doing, which I mean, I think is an important part, but for people outside of faith, like the part that matters is when they go to the bar afterward or at least go to lunch or whatever it is and, and start talking about the person that they loved or Mm -hmm. relationships or laughing and, and things like that. It's the, it's the relational piece. And we've lost that. Like, with anybody outside who isn't already almost exclusively already in the church. Yeah. Yeah. The relationship was what matters. Absolutely. So we have to go out and I mean, they don't need to meet pastor Chris or pastor Matt. They just need to meet Matt. And then once they get to know Matt or Chris and find out that, you know, they're actually decent people and Hey, they happen to do this too then maybe you can start talking about some deeper well, things. Well, that's the, that's the problem with, with, with the whole, like, uh, this is why I like being incognito sometimes, because, you know, people put away their beer and their cigarettes and their four-letter words, and, and then they're, they, you just don't get, you don't get the real deal with people. And I, I hate that. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it, what it is that makes... People feel like that's what we want to see and experience. It's because when they think of us, they think of the altar call. And the altar call is the, hey, you better clean your shit up. When really what they what they need to know is, here's Chris or here's Matt. I'll speak for myself. Here's Chris. And yeah, don't speak for me. I, yeah, you know, I'm not going to speak yeah, for you. Speak you were the me. heartthrob of Houghton, as I understand. No, the heartthrob of CRCDS. CRCDS, that's right. Yes. Sorry, Mary. So, um, she doesn't care. But anyway, and neither does anybody else. Yeah, so neither, let's just yeah, move on. yeah nobody cares. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, now I forget where I was going with that. What the hell were we talking about? Funerals, yeah, and the altar really? call culture, yeah. like, oh yeah, creating this like this this aura of guilt, right? Like, like, they need to know that Chris doesn't have everything figured it out. Like, like the church people, uh, and Matt, you've known me for a little while. Like church people, often like regular, like really clutch your pearls kind of church people, sometimes don't sort of like me because I'm not up on a pedestal. I'm not that. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. We could get like, you up on a pedestal, hey, but it would take some work. It would because I'm fat. 
So there's no ramp up to that pedestal. I'm fat and I'm crippled. Yeah. What a disaster. What's next? What is next? It's it's Chris can't be he can't be our representative. But like for the people outside the church, it's good for them to see that hey, here's Chris and I'm just figuring it out like everybody else, like you are. And maybe if we sit down together, I don't know if we'll figure it out, but but we're here. Right. You know, and that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like how, I like how, I like how we're going from irrelevance to what matters, back to irrelevance to what matters, back to irrelevance to what matters. And I think, see, this is the kind of conversation I want to have. And and this is the kind of conversation I'm kind of yearning for to have with church people. Like, I want to, I eventually do want to have the Jesus conversation with you. But let's have this conversation first right. so that we can kind of establish some common ground and some parameters for having the Jesus conversation. Because otherwise, I really don't know what I'm actually saying to you. And I don't even know what you're hearing from me. Right. That's the even, that's the most important thing. Like, what are you hearing? And you know what? That's the other thing is, like, that's what Jesus did, right? He right. took everything the way that that his really religious folks would have done it and kind of turned it upside down. And we're sort of at that point again, or again, or still, maybe still is a better way of saying it, where we have to take kind of who we've become and kind of turn it back upside down because that's, that's what Jesus would do. WWJD, Chris. Right? WWJD. See, I am a qualified theologian. Wow. I went to seminary. Well, so did you, Matt. You went to seminary. I did. I went to seminary. I went to seminary twice. Well, good for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll just leave it so there. So he's, he's, he's double qualified. I don't want to talk about failing out of seminary. <laughs> I don't I don't want you to have to talk about that. Let's no. move on. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that somebody else can rake me over the coals for that. Later. See, you're unqualified for a whole bunch of different issues than I am. Something joyful about being unqualified. Right. Because you know it. So you just kind of do it anyway. Right. I'm just I'm just gonna do what I do, like it or don't. This has served as a big pep talk for me. Chris, I want to thank you for coming on with me again. And um I, I just like our segments and I like our conversation and um I'm looking forward to some more time with you. Did we really even get to the comedy? No, we never did, but you know. It was still a good conversation, and, and I'm, I'm glad we had it. Well, I'm glad we had it, too. Thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot, Chris. All right, so uh, we're back again, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that, that interview with Chris. We're going to be able to speak with him a lot more, and um, I'm hoping that uh, um, in future conversations uh, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, his activism. He's an intriguing guy. Maybe we'll be able to talk about barbecue and smoked meats and a host of other things that he has interest in as well. Yeah. So uh, before we before we go, just his amazing beard. <laughs> we uh, we are um, definitely uh, at the end here of um, two big sports seasons. Uh, Absolutely had a great time watching the, uh, the playoffs and and at annual conference. Well, sort of watching. They were always present. We're present. We we participated less than in the past, where we've really kind of engaged in in those finals. I think a little, more a little bit more. Yeah, we were actually doing this more than yeah, podcasting, we more yeah. than we were yeah. watching the finals. Um, but uh, congratulations to uh, the fan bases of the St. Louis Blues. As a Sabres fan, I'm I'm crushed that Ryan O'Reilly um, 
turned it around. Yeah, I've seen a lot of anger and hostility out of the Sabres fans. It's a, uh, it's a. Uh, well, I, I, you know, we just. It's typical of what what happens in Buffalo, where you know Buffalo's where seems to be where talent goes to die. It's, yeah, that's right. We, then we yard sale them out, and they become superstars somewhere we, else. We are the Edmonton Oilers of the Eastern Conference, I think. <laughs> Uh, but on a on a much closer sports note, uh, we got to uh, watch the Toronto Raptors uh, win Game Six and capture the NBA championship. And um, and we claim that as a local success. Absolutely, we do. And I'm hoping that we're going to go up and uh, see the parade. And if you right, if we I do, so. we'll definitely uh, take some pictures and uh, put them on our Facebook page so that uh, you can uh, experience that. Because I know that all of you are giant sports fans. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so many, so many United Methodist clergy uh, are are huge sports fans. I know that all of my sports takes during my sermon time really they um, hit right. They hit. They always hit. <laughs> People, Maybe you need a little more NASCAR. I I don't know. I I think <laughs> probably just it go it just everything sails over people's heads. Yeah. Um, but at least it gives me a talking point. Yeah. All right. With that. Um, we're going to sign off. Thanks for listening. Absolutely. And we hope you have a, a, a great day and feel free to leave us any feedback on our Facebook page and, uh, or leave us a comment on SoundCloud. Hey, if you got ideas or things we, you'd like us to talk about, leave the comment there and we'll and take up the uh, mantle. Dob and I really like to travel. We like to make trips. So if you're in the Buffalo Niagara region, or even if you're upstate and you want to Say hey, I want to be on your podcast. I want I got something I want to talk about in in the Methodist tribe. Um, we would love to uh, come out and and interview you. Absolutely, just and, just be prepared for irreverence and irrelevance. And also, um, you know, have some good beer. Absolutely, yeah, it's a must. Local would be preferred. We didn't have a beer of the day, but I I just bought um, uh, some golden uh, pilsner from Yingling, and it's I don't recommend it. No, I've never been particularly impressed with it. Yeah, well, I always feel like it's a cheap beer it, trying to parade. It's a thumbs down, okay. and it's also two bucks more expensive than, than Jenny. So, uh, forget, forget that. Anyway. All right. Anyway, with that in mind, we'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye.